Hi, and welcome back to Game Time Podcast. So, we have a big game coming up, don't we? I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, only, super, it's only the Super Bowl between what I think are the two best teams in the NFL. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers. We'll also be discussing the Hall of Fame voting um, and who we think maybe should get in, who is long overdue who maybe will get in but shouldn't, as that will um, come out tonight along with some of the awards for the NFL season. So we have a lot to discuss, so let's get right into it because it's game time. So what do you want to talk about first, Shy? Why don't we talk about the big game coming up? The I big mean, game? The, talk about the, the, the kind of yeah. important um, thing on Sunday at around 6.30. Yeah, only maybe the biggest television event, not only in football, but maybe the world. So, obviously, the Simmons 49ers, who, in my opinion, are a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't even know if it's that close, but the Chiefs have this player, number 15, Patrick Mahomes, who, you want to talk about things that aren't close, I think he's the best player in the NFL, and I don't think it's close. Yeah, I think, at that position, I mean, when you get a guy that talented... With that arm talent that can fit the ball in that type of spot, be so electric. When he's, you can't even pressure him because when he's out of the pocket, you know something spectacular is going to happen. I, it's like he's literally unstoppable, and I, I, that's why, just as you were saying, the 49ers' defense is fantastic. They're well coached. I mean, Salah's built a great unit there, but I mean, at this at a certain point, it doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes is that good. I think Mahomes is better outside the pocket. I mean, could very well be. I think we've talked about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and how they've kind of perfected the scramble drill. Mahomes is taking it to a whole other level. It's incredible. And then you also look at the speed. The Chiefs are just. I was about to say. The Chiefs are just an insanely fast team. I mean, they have the fastest player in the NFL, in Tyreek Hill. Uh, Travis Kosey is one of the fastest tight ends in football. Miko Harmon, I could make a case that he's. Maybe the second fastest to Tyreek Hill in the NFL. They're, and then you even add guys like Damien Williams, Demarcus Robinson. Their entire team it's is a just, track team. It's, a track it, it's team. basically a track team. It is a track team playing football, which you know that that's with the best quarterback in the NFL or even best player, arguably throwing to him. And when you give him that much time, rolling out of the pocket, he someone's going to be open. You can't stay with. Tyreek Hill or Miko Harmon in man coverage for but what and, a few Kelsey, seconds and Kelsey and, and then, Kelsey, but that's oh, a different type of then, battle you got to deal with too. And then there's also Sammy Watkins, and we we haven't even spoken to him about him when talking about the the top speedsters and talent. This offense just it's it's, it's explosive. I mean, I guess maybe you can talk about the greatest show on turf when you talk about Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, and Marshall Falk. But, I don't know, Mahomes, he's a different animal. He, I mean, and I feel like when you have the weapons they do and then Mahomes' ball placement ability, I feel like guys like that, guys like Hill, guys like Kelsey, guys like Watkins and um, Harmon, they're never covered. They're never covered with the ability for Mahomes to put the, almost hand them the ball. Yeah, 50 yards down the field. It feels like he's not even showing off his full potential because his receivers are so fast. It feels like he's almost like 
Here, let me throw it 50 yards down the field, Tyreek. Go get it. <laughs> Which he can. And I'm, uh, I really, I'm at a loss for words for what, my, for what Mahomes can do. Because I don't think there is a word. I mean, I think the first word that does come to mind is electric and exciting. But I don't really know if there's like a certain word that can describe all what Mahomes can do. He's a, He's just different. He's, di- I mean, maybe Brett Favre, but when you talk about strict talent, not exactly accomplishment, but just strict raw talent and arm talent, he's in, I don't know, he's unbelievable. How do you, you, you can't, I don't know how you can guard him. Now, because you can't. <laughs> the thing with the Niners is they have a team that I'm not saying they will beat Mahomes and I'm not saying they should be favored or any of that. But you look at how they have won games, especially in the postseason against the Vikings and Packers, their formula to of those wins is what you need to beat Kansas City. Rushing the quarterback with only four guys, meaning you can drop set you can drop the extra guy, the seventh guy, back, so you have more guys to cover. And then also ball control. They run the ball down your throat, and they don't care. But they don't care how tired you are. They don't care. You know, basically, if they see you're tired, they're gonna continue running it, punching you in the mouth. And I think when we have seen the Chiefs lose games, it's because their opponent has been able to con- keep control of the clock. They've been able to control the clock, have these long, time-consuming drives that end in touchdowns. That's something the Niners, they cannot settle for field goals. I think we saw against the in the AFC Championship game, the Titans got out to a 10-0 lead. Their opening drive, great drive, they had to settle for a field goal. If you're the Niners and you're Kyle Shanahan, I'm, I'm not saying be ultra-aggressive, but if if you're at the third, if you're at the Chiefs' thirty, maybe it's fourth and one, fourth and two, even fourth and three. I think you might have to be playing more on the aggressive, uh, on the aggressive side, on the, on the offensive side of the ball, knowing twenty points, twenty three points, probably not gonna cut it. Well, here's the thing. I think I'm gonna look on the other side of the ball, and I'm gonna look at Patrick Mahomes. We were just talking about. Here's the thing. If you get him, if if you can get him as a, as the Niners. Because we know if it's going to be a high-scoring game, right? Yeah, and Niners can score points. They I think that's very. Score they haven't points. really needed to. But we saw they won an absolute shootout in the Superdome against the Saints. So I do think they possess the ability to score points if need be. And I would almost argue that the Niners are more sure to score points than the Chiefs. And I'll tell you why. Chiefs have one way to score. I'll tell you that 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 is one part of it. But I think it all is in the homes. If if the Niners' defense, or or if Patrick Mahomes makes a couple of mistakes that makes the drive end without points, or makes them not get touchdowns or punt even, that those simple possessions can change the whole game. But I don't. I for, for, personally, for me, would pick the Chiefs because I don't think he can be stopped. And the only I... thing that's going to stop Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, is himself. <laughs> yeah. And I that's agree. Where... No, I agree. As I said, I think the Niners are the more the most complete team. I think in the NFL, when you go to that's true. the run game, the defense on all 
levels, the coaching staff, and then also Jimmy Garoppolo, although in his last couple games hasn't had a huge role or a huge game, you look at throughout the year, he's had his moments, you know, against, you know, Seattle, he had a couple of big drives, uh, he killed Aaron Rodgers in both games, he went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees, he, you know, I get it, maybe the Cardinals aren't a great defense, but the Cardinals were winning, he led game-winning Touchdown drive late he in the fourth the quarter. He got the ball to his playmakers in big moments, and that's all you can do. And also, these guys might not be... The Chiefs have the better weapon, weaponry, but I think George Kittle is better than Travis Kelsey. I think George Kittle is the best tight end in the NFL. And then I think you guys, guys like... But who's throwing him? Jimmy... No, Mahomes is better. I'm just saying, I think when you look at these weapons the Niners have, they're not as good as the Chiefs' weapons overall. But these aren't, you know, slouches. Emmanuel Sanders, very good receiver. Debo Troy, Samuel. Debo Sa- I was about to say, I, I kind of wanted to come to him last. Oh, okay. I I'm expe- sorry. For no, because I think he, I think he's going to have a game. I think he's going to ball out. He reminds me, as a Steelers fan, of Juju coming in at his rookie season and him really being hot. They both, I mean, they obviously both were number 19. But they both, that's not why I'm, not, I'm comparing them. They both are dynamic after the catch. They both really caught fire after their rookie season. I'm hoping he doesn't have to deal with the same injury as Juju did this year. Well, but they were both caught balls for big moments for their QB. It really started to emerge as one of the top targets for their team in the big moments of the game. I think for maybe the average football fan or fan who's not a huge NFL fan who will be watching, if they don't know who Debo Samuel is, they will after the game. I'm not saying he'll win. I'm not saying the Niners will win, but I think regardless of the outcome, I think Debo Samuel is going to have a huge game because a the skill set is there, definitely. But I think B, and which in my opinion is most important and maybe more important than the skill set, is Kyle Shanahan's ability to use him. In so many different ways. You look at, you know, sweeps, end arounds. You know, he go, he can go long, he can go short, he can go in kind of in the, in the intermediate passing game. Right the when way, you think you know exactly what the 49ers are going to do, they change it up. Which I think you is know. also, which I'm really excited for, is we have some of the best offensive minds going up against each other. You have Big Red and Andy Reid. And you have Kyle Shanahan, both coaches who have suffered Super Bowl defeat. Andy Reid, actually both against the Patriots. And uh, Andy Reid again with the Eagles back in 04. And then a few years ago with Kyle Shanahan, he was the Falcons offensive coordinator during the great collapse. Uh, the 20-3 to blown lead in the Super Bowl. And then you go on some of the assistant corners. Steve Spagnola. Spagnuolo, in case you don't know, was the architect behind the Giants' defense that stopped the New England Patriots that undefeated season where the Patriots were averaging, I don't know, 37 points a game where they were just killing everyone and scoring points at will. Steve Spagnuolo was the one that, A, the Giants' team started off terribly that They were terrible that year. Or they start, that's how they start off. And Spagnola kind of slowly by slowly got that defense to play better and better each and every week until the Super Bowl. Mm, where, where is that? Where have you seen that before? 
Yeah, so I just, yeah, except the Chiefs have gotten better each and every week, just like the Giants defense that 7 08 season. Uh, so, and then you go uh, Eric Bieniemy, Robert Salah. These coaching staffs are stacked with not only the guys at the top at the head coach, but some great coordinators across the board that. I mean, Spagnola, he has a premium tracker. What Biennemi has done the last couple of years is incredible. So Law has had a tremendous year. This is, I think, going to be a tremendous game. And really, I'll be interested to see almost a chess match. You know, we always talk about how maybe one coach is playing chess while the other play, plays checkers. These are two coaches that know how to get the best out of each and every individual who know how to use each individual's skill set in different ways. You look at what the Chiefs have done with Tyreek Hill. You look at what the Niners have done with Debo Samuel. I'm really excited to see how does Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, with two weeks of preparation, use those type of guys in different ways. Because, you know, both defenses, Chiefs defense is not what the Niners defense is. It's not even close. But the Chiefs defense isn't as bad as what a lot of people think. And they've consistently gotten better over the course of the season. And then throughout the game, their adjustments throughout the game have also gotten better. You see what they've done against Tennessee and Houston in the playoffs. They've kind of started off slow. And then kind of once Mahomes catches fire, the entire team catches fire. And there's kind of no looking back. With the, the Chiefs front seven, if you don't mind me saying, has one job. And that's to put doubt in the mind of Kyle Shanahan and number 31, Raheem Mostert. Because like, I, I, we saw them against the Packers. And the Vikings. And the Vikings. Matter. They felt like they could run through everyone. I mean, their confidence. It was You lap- could tell. It was sky high. You cannot allow that to happen. You need to force Jimmy G to throw the ball at least 30 times this game. It was a chance. L- laughable how easily the 49 could run the ball. butter. Exactly. I mean, it's one of those things like, they're, we're gonna keep running it. We're gonna keep running it. It's like okay, eventually it has to. It won't. It can't work. Eventually, the Packers or Vikings have to. Be, it's a confidence thing. I'm and they just, you. You they just couldn't. But you look at some of the scheme, the running schemes that the Niners ran, and they used Preston and Zadarius Smith. They used the Smith brothers' aggressiveness against them because they ran right at them to the point where. The Smith brothers were almost like overrunning things. They were out of place. They were out, not getting their assignments. But then it's not just Raheem Moser. It's Tevin Coleman. It's Matt Breda. It's what they do with Debo Samuel. And I think another thing Kyle Shanahan does, um, which really puts doubt in defense's mind, is all of like the motions and pre-snap movement they do, the Niners, all of a sudden... Defenses, when you're on defense, and really for offense as well for that matter, you don't you don't really want to think much. You have to react. Because football is a game of inches. It's a game of seconds. Uh, so when you have all this pre-snap movement that the Niners put out, it puts not really doubt, but just... When you have all these explosive playmakers, you got to know where they are, right? Yeah, no. Oh, number, number 19. Oh, number 19 is moving across. Oh, Kittle. what do you got to do? You got to stop him. 85 in motion. Exactly. got to worry about that. That's eye candy. Exactly. And all of a sudden, it has your eyes moving, and then thoughts come out in your brain, and now you're thinking, and by the time you've kind of got everything settled, the ball, either Garoppolo already has the ball, and he knows exactly what he's doing with it. So that's, exa- that's what Kyle Shanahan does so well. And 
this is going to be a really, really fun game. Because also, it's the team that, it's kind of the old school nine. The Niners run the ball. They play defense, physical football against, like, the flashy track team of the Chiefs. It's almost, to an extent, it's like old school, get down the dirt, gritty Niners team against the high, the high-powered, flashy Chiefs team. Almost old school versus new school. But what I still think what the Niners do on run, it's not just run the ball down your throat what the Niners do. It's how they run the ball, how they get defenses moving, how they open up holes, what they do with those playmakers, not just passing, but also getting involved in a ton of the run game. And going back to Debo Samuel, in which I have loved as just and, and as a pure NFL fan and as and as a coach, I think you have to love it as well, is... He's been a lead blocker on a lot of Raheem Moster and some of the other backs' big runs. He's a lot of times the lead blocker, which for a rookie receiver is hard to do. And also, some of receivers don't like blocking. They don't like getting dirty. They don't like, you know, creating contact. So knowing he is, A, willing, and B, as good as he is, I think that's another part of Samuel's game that I've been really impressed with. And he's only a rookie. And I mean, the sky's the limit. I feel like with this ta- with this guy. Yeah, I think when see, I'm just gonna transition to, the, to more of a defensive perspective, if you will. I think that most people are talking about number thirty-two, Tyron Matthew, and he's been the the leader on that. Chris Jones defense. is the key. That's what I was just about to say. He, because it's really big ninety-five in the trenches. We need to worry about. He's gonna be the guy that leads them. And is going to stop and is going to close those holes at the point of contact. That's where you need to win if you're the Chiefs. You got to stop yeah, these big runs. Big game against the Titans. The Titans shut down Derrick Henry, and a big part of it was because of Chris Jones, because Chris Jones couldn't play against Houston. And he was even questionable against Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see early how is his body reacting to some of the contact he's creating, to some of the hits he's taking, because he is the key. Now, at the same time, I do think that Chris Jones can't be everywhere on the field. He can only line up in one spot. And the way they use some of their running backs, it's not always straight up the gut. It's how, it's, you know, they, their scheme, as a, I'll go back to the scheming. The scheming and plays that they run with these backs, and in some cases, um, other playmakers, it's not always run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle. It's, you know, it's sweeps, it's options, it's reverses. So I I actually think Chris Jones is going to be a huge part in this. But Chris Jones can't line up in the middle and on the outside. Right. He can only line up in one spot. And I think And that... I think Kyle Shanahan realizes how much of a force and uh how much of a force Chris Jones is. So they might try to run it up the gut. But if Jones is making play after play, Kyle Shanahan knows, "Okay, we're not going to run it right at him." But then you got to worry about these, you know, defensive backs. Because if you're the Chiefs, defensive backs have to tackle early and often in the second level. Those runs cannot break into the secondary because that's when the confidence of number 31, Raheem Mostert, and the other running backs go sky high. And that's when Kyle Shanahan knows he's got them right where he wants them. Because then after that, he can hit them with emotion or, or pitch to Samuel or... Play action to Kittle deep down the field. Niners are so good at that play action, too. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the better quarterbacks, and the Niners are one of the better offenses at coming off the play action and hitting a Kittle, a Sanders, 
um, even a guy like Kendrick Bourne deep down the field and you pick up those nice chunk plays. And it's like, because they, they make you overcommit to the run. And what that happens is that when you get those big four, five, six chunk yards every time, every attempt, you can't have it if it achieves. That's why in the secondary, the guys like Tyron Matthew, Sorensen, he's got he's to gotta be big for them. They've lost Sorensen one has had in the playoffs. That's they been need huge. him to be the veteran and lead the team. And, and he's a good tackler. They need them, those two safeties to come up in the trenches and come up around the outside and seal those runs, force those runs away from the outside, keep it in, keep them centered in, stop them for three to four yard gains at the most. You cannot get the confidence of the Niners high because then they're going to kill you. It wasn't too long ago that Daniel Sorensen was one of the better safeties in our game, but over the last year or two, he's kind of fallen off a bit. But these last two games, he's been everywhere, making tackles from sideline to sideline, breaking up passes, even coming off, even coming on blitzes and forcing either, you know, a bad throw or getting a sack. He's been everywhere. And as you said, Juan Thornhill was having a, a terrific rookie year. So when they lost him to a torn ACL, I believe in week 17, that was a really big loss for them. Huge blow. And Sorensen has really stepped up to kind of the self he was you know, three, four years ago, and he is making plays. He was the guy who had the huge tackle on the fake punt by Houston a couple weeks ago. He was everywhere in that game and against Tennessee. Now, the Titans held Derrick Henry, who at the time was regarded as one of, if not the best back in the league, to 69 rushing yards. And that was a big reason why the Titans offense kind of stumbled and struggled in the second half, and Casey was able to kind of come back and end up uh, getting the win. But I just think the the nine the both the Niners and Titans run the ball very differently. I the Titans more are up your up the gut, ground and pound. You, you don't want to tackle big number twenty two. Um <laughs> not many don't. not many players do. But ninety five did. And all Frank Clark, I think fifty five. Yeah. Frank Clark. So you know, kinda the Niners' run style is a lot different than the Titans' run style. Yeah, because the thing is, I hate to say it, Derrick Henry's fantastic, but he is not, does not have the versatility that the Niners that do. The Niners it's not do. even Raheem Mostert. It's just Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, and Raheem Mostert. And you add that to Kyle Shanahan scheming and the eye candy, and at that point, the defense has no idea what's going on. As I said, we have two of the best head coaches coaching in this game, and they both got two weeks to prepare. How will that chess? Who will win the chess match? Who's gonna make? Who's gonna be aggressive? Who's gonna go for a fourth down? Will there? Will we see a trick play? Can't be. This is it. This is for all the marbles. You can't be scared. You have to all in, hundred percent, go in. Cause you, at this point, you know we always say you know play to win or play not to lose. You have to play to win. Because yeah. this is it. it this, can... this is it. You lose this game, there is no tomorrow. There is no, well, we're still going to the playoffs. There is no, we're still in the, no. There is no, no. tomorrow, win or lose. It could. This is it. The coach that coaches more outside the box with more creativity can, can what should, can, could easily be the one to come out with this win. And I don't know. Who's going to make the second half adjustments too? 
Well, That'll be also something to watch. Right. Now, I think that can come more on the defensive side of the ball, especially if we see these high-powered offenses get going like most of us think they will. Uh, how how will Robert Salah start to set up Patrick Mahomes? Will he put a guy like Alicorn Alexander coming back from injury? Can he be a spy? Or will will they try to can have a kind of a quarterback container on the well, edge? Or? Dre Greenlaw, who another rookie, Niners had a tremendous draft. Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Dre Greenlaw, Niners killed the draft, which is actually a big reason why they're here at this stage in the season. Dre Greenlaw has been everywhere. He was the guy that basically won them the division with the tackle on Jacob Hollister at the like the inch yard line, and then throughout the playoffs, he's making. Tackles left and right. Every other play, it's he's around the ball. So, Quan Alexander, obviously, very good linebacker. We'll see, again, him and Chris Jones are kind of the two guys that they're going to play, and they played last week, but how healthy are they? How much of an impact can they make? Are they a liability, or are they back to their 100% selves where they're going to play, be playing at a high level? Based on what I saw last week from Chris Jones against one of the best running backs in the NFL, I'm pretty confident that he's going to show out. But he's going to come and bring his A game. And uh, we'll see about Quan Alexander. But also, it'll be interesting, though, what the Chiefs do is, what if they get up to a lead? They don't They don't run the ball. So, that'll be, you know. You can't, what you, what you can't do is you can't become predictable. That is how you lose big football games. Now, maybe I think that's... Mahomes, though, Mahomes, I think, is one of the only players that people know what will be coming, and he still can make the play. That's how special he is. Not saying he can't... But oh, you gotta make... No, you have to mix it up. You have to and be that, creative. And I think that comes on both sides of the ball. I think that comes if you're Robert Salah defensively. Because if you make Mahomes diagnose the defense, hold it for a second longer, that can be the difference. You gotta make you gotta make him uncomfortable as much as you can. Yeah, he got you gotta try to contain the fire that he's gonna bring. And then the other side, I mean, you can't become complacent at, at, as an as an offensive play caller. You've gotta remain poised, and you've gotta maybe you sprinkle some runs in or some. However, Andy Reid running the football. I know it's crazy. Maybe you run up the gut even. Not like a draw to the whoa, outside. Whoa, whoa. You're allowed to do that if you play for the Chiefs? Well, maybe, I mean, maybe not last week or the week before that. Or, or any other that, week, the week this before season. Should we keep going? But, <laughs> I mean, you, my, my point is you, you, you've got to, I mean, you can't just drop back and, every, and, and, and call similar things because the Niners defense is smart and they are talented. And I don't care how good you are, if you become predictable, they will find a way to take the ball away. I also think, you know, we have a revenge game in the Super Bowl. We do. We do. D. Ford, he was going to be a free agent for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Kansas City Chiefs franchise tagged him, which basically means they made sure they gave him, like, a one-year fully guaranteed deal. And so they franchise tagged him, and they traded him, to the San Francisco 49ers, who end up signing him to an extension uh, on top of that one-year fully guaranteed deal. So, he wants his revenge. This wasn't... It's not like the Chiefs let him walk. They traded him. And now, they get to be in the Super Bowl. And let's just say, D. Ford will be no small factor in this game. 
Yeah, I, I think that's... I mean, that Niners defensive front is so talented. They have it's five first-round picks. They have five guys who can get after you. And they only need to rush four. Solomon Thomas doesn't even start, and he's had a pretty good year. So, the... The only defensive line in football which is comparable is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. That, that, that's it's true. Yeah. Niners are younger, though. They are, they are. Which I think, especially I mean, when you're... I'm just comparing, like, the talent and the first-round picks. That's, you know, that's true. They both have an absurd amount of first-round picks on that defense. That's true, that's true. Um, both defenses have been extremely successful at that. Okay, we're not, we're not here to talk about the Steelers, Shy. They, I know. I they am. weren't even playing in um, January. Well, uh, hopefully next year. Yes, but again, it's the Super Bowl. Right, right. No, no, I mean... I don't. I can't say anything. I'm a Giants fan, but yeah, let's leave our teams out of this. Okay. Just sorry, right, I'm gonna throw in a reference here and there. And keep keep it to the teams that uh, deserve to be here. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we're actually we'll resume our Super Bowl coverage maybe a little later. We're gonna make our game picks too. And uh, but first, but before that, let's talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame induction ceremony tonight. You're a Seawards fan. Talk about, obviously, Troy Palomalo. I think it'd be a stunner if he wasn't voted in. He, this is his first year of eligibility. So kind of talk about Troy Palomalo or maybe some of the other guys you think should make it. Yeah, I think, I think as you were talking about with me before, I mean, he's the, I think the only guy you can say he should be a no-brainer. I think most people agree on that. Now... This is, wouldn't be the first time he's been snubbed of something this year. As I was talking with you, also with you earlier, he did not make the all NFL 100 team as a defensive back. So oh, yes, that yes. was, I think, very surprising to a lot of people. Um, and I'm hoping, as a Steelers fan, as a fan of Troy, that this will be very different because I think he obviously deserves to be here. He's one of the best to ever play at that position. He was a force he was the thing I remember watching this year obviously for for that time when he was even older and slowing down. He he was still the best player in our defense by far. He was a, still the pillar that held up a struggling defense really at that time, and that that's when we were still you know making these playoff runs. We didn't win a Super Bowl at that time. Obviously Troy had two, but I'm talking about later in the. In the uh, in in his career, he was still playing at such a high level. I don't think anybody I've seen already anybody in a long time play with that physicality, with that amount of heart. I mean, and obviously he's really talented and smart too. Yeah. That position. Uh, so basically, throughout today, actually the the voting got the voting members are in one room and someone will talk about a player and say why they should go in, and then they'll kind of debate. I think Palomar will have the shortest debate ever. Maybe not not ever, not ever. Um, they're guys who had short, but I think um, for this round at least, for this year, the shortest, I think, conversation regarding any player will be Palomar, because I think he um, will, he's basically a lock. I wouldn't be surprised if he's unanimous, but I, I think at this point it would be a stunner if he didn't get in. So let's talk about some of the other guys who um should get in. I'm a big believer in Isaac Bruce. You look at some of his statistics, he's top five, I believe, in 
you know, maybe reception. Yards, basically yards, touchdowns, and receptions. He's all in, like, the top 12, top 15 in, um, including top five, I forget, in one of the categories as well. He was a member of the greatest show on turf, which we were kind of talking about earlier with the Rams. He won a Super Bowl. And, you know, I get it. Maybe he's maybe not a first bout Hall, Hall of Famer, but I'm pretty sure this is, like, his fifth year of eligibility. And when you talk about a guy who put up those numbers, who won a Super Bowl, who was probably the best receiver on one of the better offenses in history, not the best, but one of, I think he deserves to get in. So again, with this being his having to wait five years, um, again, I'm not saying he should have been first ballot, but I think when we're talking about guys like Reggie Wayne, who's a finalist, I think Bruce, you look at, you kind of compare him, kind of looks like Bruce had the better career. So, and look, I'd be fine if Reggie Wayne makes it tonight as a first ballot guy, but I think if Reggie Wayne's going to go in, I think Isaac Bruce definitely has to go get in. What are your thoughts on kind of those two receivers? Well, I think they both should go in, in my opinion, <laughs> and I think it should happen this year. I agree. And I Both, I think, should get in. I'm just saying, you know, I think Bruce maybe should get the benefit of the doubt over Wayne just because Wayne, this is his first year, when Bruce, this is his fifth. And it's yeah. not like Reggie Wayne was, is a top five receiver who definitely but needs I to be first ballot. I think Reggie Wayne is a sort of a, a bigger fan name, if you know what I mean. People yeah, well, he also, he retired Reggie. more recently. So as we as more fans become, or as more people become a fan of the sport, um, within the last five, you know, six years, mm-hmm. people will know more Reggie Wayne. Uh, you know, he played with Peyton Manning, who is arguably a top three, four quarterback of all time. Uh, you know, again, he retired only about four, four, I think, I guess five years ago. He retired five years ago. He also now works for NFL Network, so he's more of a more household name, if you would. But I guess when you really put the careers together, look, if you said Reggie Wayne had a better career, I'm fine with that. I just think that it's close enough, and maybe even I might give the slight edge to Bruce to the point where when a guy's waited five years. Versus a guy who this is his first year. When you look at the the careers are pretty similar. I mean, I probably if I had to choose, I would give it to Bruce. Yeah, I think you've you've got to take into account what you said about how many years that you've waited, and I think statistically you put question marks by their names. Like you don't let's say you just don't have names on the paper. I mean, look at the statistics. I mean. I think you're gonna give the edge to Bruce. So, to to me, I think they he's won both. a suit. Both have won a Super Bowl. So there's not like, well, one didn't have one didn't do it. No, they both this were successful in the postseason. Not the most stacked Hall of Fame class we've had. Well, so. that that's also I think a big reason why Bruce has had to wait because in the past we've seen guys like really most notably Terrell Owens and Randy Moss. So the wide receiver class has kind of been, uh kind of I'm I'm kind of blink blinking on the right word but kind of clogged up almost like yeah. there's kind of been a backup of receivers um because of so many of the great ones that have been eligible you know and Randy Moss is probably the second greatest receiver of all time and Thrones I think probably what, third yeah so that's why I think maybe why Bruce has had to wait maybe more of a longer term than he should but that's why I think that look if they both get in Awesome. 
But if you had to pick one, that's why I would give my vote to Bruce over Wayne. Because I think Reggie Wayne will get in. And I think he should get in. Eventually. I just think I'm giving the edge to the guy who's had to wait longer. Now, if Bruce gets in and Wayne doesn't, I think Wayne should get in next year then. Something like that. Also, uh, a pretty good quarterback uh, by the <laughs> by the name of Peyton Manning who will be eligible next year too. Yeah. So, do you want? So now there's also kind of been a um, a backup offensive lineman, Alec, uh, sorry, Alan Fanica of your Pittsburgh Steelers, Steve Hutchinson of the Seahawks. These are guys who, a lot of Pro Bowls, a lot of All Pros, and there's also kind of been a backup of the offensive lineman as well as you're seeing a lot of offensive linemen on the ballot. What are your kind of thoughts on those guys? Should they get in? Should they have to wait another year or two? Should they not get in at all? Well, I think, I think the tricky thing with offensive linemen because it's not really stats. Yes, exactly. You, you can't can measure have pro bowls, but they're not. You can't look at a set of statistics. Pro bowls other can also be pro bowls. you know. Those Pro can Bowls certainly be skewed and misleading. Especially, you know, you look at a guy like Brady, you probably should not have been a Pro Bowl or a lot. I'm not saying Brady shouldn't be a Hawkman. not saying that. This is an example. Brady made the Pro Bowl last year. He had average stats, but sometimes you get in or you get the benefit of the doubt because of name recognition slash reputation. So Pro Bowls, I think, as you said, are kind of a little skewed a bit. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that Fanica and Hutchinson shouldn't get in. Yeah, I I think Fanica, for one at least, has waited quite a while, and there's been a lot of skepticism whether he should or would get in. I think you look at this class, there's not, as we were talking about earlier, it's not a hugely stacked class all around the position board. Well, because so, there weren't, I mean, Palomaro and Reggie Wayne are the only two first-time big names, first-time yeah. eligibility guys. So we haven't had a lot of, we haven't had a ton of great newcomers coming in. Mm-hmm. We've only had really one lock and another guy who's up in the air in terms of first ballot. So that's why I think you're going to see a lot of these guys off at the linemen like Fanica and Hutchinson, possibly Isaac Bruce, maybe some. You know who could have the best weekend ever? <laughs> oh, John Lynch. John Lynch. John Lynch. Just in the span of about twenty four hours, can go from. Being elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame to Super Bowl uh, champion as a general manager. Or he could get neither, which would kind of suck. Yeah. But uh, John Lynch could have one. John Lynch could have one of the best weekends, maybe in history, regardless of any profession. I mean, whoa, that, that would be something for John Lynch. That what a, we- what a weekend that would be. What a weekend that would be for John Lynch if he were to uh, kind of kick off both. Both marks on his uh, bucket list. Yeah, I, and I think he's got to... I mean, even if he doesn't do both things this year, I think he certainly has a chance to do them in the future. Because, one, that 49ers... Super Bowl might be, diffi- might be more difficult. Is it more difficult? Nothing's guaranteed. I mean, Dan Marino's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, or in NFL history. Went to the Super Bowl in his second year, lost to Montana. They never went back. Yeah, well, he never went back. But I think that team is just so good, and he's a Niners, he's been a yeah. vocal part. Of he he's been a tremendous getting team, that of building the team from really laying, scratch. Yeah, and he really you look at kind of laying the foundation of a team. That's what I think is great, particularly with both teams, but particularly about the Niners is, yeah, we talked about like D Ford and the Chiefs trade for Frank Clark, but a lot of these guys are homegrown players. Guys, 
guys that the team drafted for or maybe traded for when they were young. Like, both, I swear, again, and kind of going to the Niners, they really built the foundation, and then they signed, they kind of signed a few nice veterans, traded for a few guys to kind of patch some holes. But they really are what you want to do in the NFL. Build through the draft, add through free agency. Yeah. They, I think they did a fantastic job. I don't even know if they knew how far they would be at this point. I think maybe John Lynch did. Cause what he well, remember, this was Garoppolo's first full year. He you know, he was traded midway through a couple years ago. And then in week three, against those very same Chiefs, he tore his ACL. So this is really the first full year as a Niner. You add in the, mid, the mid-season trade of Sanders, the draft drafting Debo Samuel, the development of kind of the three-headed monster in the backfield with the running back. They did sign Tevin Coleman. Because they, they signed a lot of veteran players in free agency. Did. Maybe some people shook their head. Quan like, Alexander. I switched to that. Quan Alexander was a good, already a good linebacker. But coming off of injury, and what was, was it, $84 million guaranteed I total? thought it was 57 That could be wrong. I mean, that could be... I could be wrong. But I remember it was a good amount of money guaranteed. For a guy coming off of injury. And who has had his injury mishaps in the past. But it... I mean, they they certainly seemed to know what they were doing. They filled those holes. And then the holes that they still had maybe looked bigger to us than, than they did to John Lynch. But those holes, that's where you got great coaches. Salah, Shanahan... And they'll kind of mold those players, those young guys, into those holes. Yeah. And that's where you get a trade deadline of Sanders, add more explosion in the offense. He's really done a fantastic job. Yeah. And then kind of going to the Chiefs, I think it was really nice because they find... 50 years. 50 years, but not just that. The... So, you know, you get a trophy for winning your conference, the AFC and NFC. The trophy, the AFC champion trophy is called the Lamar Hunt Trophy, named for the Kansas City Chiefs' um, old owner and, I believe, founder, Lamar Hunt. Now, they are right now owned by Clark Hunt, Lamar's son. So that was probably just a really emotional and special moment for Clark Hunt and the whole Hunt family because although they had made Super Bowls in the past, the trophy wasn't named after Lamar Hunt until, I believe, around 1984 or so. So this was the first time they actually got to hold the trophy with it being called the Lamar Hunt Trophy. Probably just a special moment all around for that team, for that family, and now really for the city after 50 years. You know, I know someone who uh, were actually my neighbors going up for the game. Uh, he's a big Chiefs fan, and, you know, I'm pretty, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time He's ever experienced his team in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, the Giants and Seahawks both had, you know, subpar years this year. But in your lifetime, you've gotten to witness Super Bowls. In my lifetime, I've gotten to witness Super Bowls. Think about Chiefs fans who may be even 40 years old, which is, you know, no spring chicken, where they've never witnessed a Super Bowl with their team in it in their lives. And all the heartbreak from... Blowing it last year against the Patriots, to blowing it against the Titans, to all those heartbreak moments where you think this is the year, you win your division, and you fall short to all the years where you just flat out stunk, and you finally are going to the Super Bowl with a chance to bring back the Vince Lombardi Trophy and be crowned NFL champions. It just makes me feel so great. And then you have the Niners who... 
are looking to become the third franchise to win six Super Bowls. It's kind of like almost o- opposites. A team that's had tremendous historical success. A team that this is, I believe, their seventh Super Bowl appearance and looking for their sixth title. And a team that hasn't, that over, you know, they've made it only to two and they haven't been in it in 50 years. There's some pretty good stories coming in the Super Bowl. And then you look at, as I said, Andy Reid, I believe he's sixth all-time in wins among coaches. He's one of the great coaches in our game, but he's not really recognized as much for it because he's missing that Vince Lombardi. He's missing something that, you know, Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, they all have. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, Vince Lombardi, um, Bill Parcells. You look at some of the great, great head coaches, Don Shula. They have the soup. They have the trophy. They can go their entire life saying, "I coached a Super Bowl team. I'm I am a Super Bowl champion head coach," and Andy Reid can't say that right now. Yet when you put up some of his wins and some of what his teams have done, it's right up there with some of the best. So that what that one thing missing, that one thing that he's striving for, that would kind of complete his. His coaching career, I'm not saying he would retire, but the that thing that really would complete it and bring it all full circle is that Vince Lombardi trophy. He had a chance with Philly. Terrell Owens played on a broken leg in that Super Bowl, and they came up just short. Now they have another chance. And he has a guy, probably the most talented player he's ever worked, it, or worked with, in Patrick Mahomes. That entire offense, so electric, such a great offensive mind. Would this be the year that he finally brings it home? I think he's already going. You want to talk about Canton? I think he's already going to Canton. I don't care what happens tomorrow. I I definitely agree with you. This would be the icing on the cake for Andy Reid's coaching career. And I think he really would like to have it. I think he would be kicking himself if he does not capitalize on this on this opportunity with playing with one of the working with one of the best players. If not the best player in the NFL right now. And I think... I mean... He's a men... I already think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he'll go to Canada as well. I think he... I think he becomes... I, I might even say shoo-in. I think he becomes a no-doubt Hall of Famer if he wins tomorrow. If he captures that, that Lombardi trophy and wins a Super Bowl, I think now we're talking about possible first ballot. Because you look at someone this year, actually, Bill Cowher... Who was in Jimmy league. Johnson too? Guys right. who won a Super Bowl. But I think Bill Cowher is more interesting because he was more kind of more in doubt. I think everybody knew Jimmy Johnson. Would well, but they get both him. weren't. They both. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I, but I think that Super Bowl for for Cowher was huge because without that, who knows if 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 he would be getting inducted tomorrow? So or today, tonight, rather. Well. He was already inducted. He but these are announced like, in. That was yeah. Tonight will be like the modern era finalists. Um, and then also you gotta go to Kyle Shanahan, who was even though he wasn't the head coach, he was oh so close to winning it with Atlanta, and the great collapse happened. And a lot of guys think of Shanahan for that great collapse. He has a chance to kind of rewrite his not his own history, kind of rewrite the script in his playoff and Super Bowl career as a coach. His father won Super Bowls with Denver and Mike Shanahan. You know? So 
great stories from the quarterbacks, great stories in revenge games. Again, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you had D4 trade from Kansas City to San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL against the Chiefs. Now, I've talked to some people, and, you know, they're like, you know, oh, I feel so bad for the Chiefs not having gone there in 50 years. I hope they win. I just say, be careful what you wish for. Because Mahomes, he's not going anywhere. And maybe Lamar Jackson. Maybe Russell Wilson in the NFC. Maybe there'll be an upcoming quarterback in Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Trevor Lawrence in college, but... Who's going to compete with him? Who's going to stop him from a quarterback standpoint? No one has the arm talent to, visit, to compete with him on a talent level. It's no one. Yeah, so in five years, would it be? Would you be surprised if he wins three of the five next Super Bowls? I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, go bet your money on it. Because as we point out with Marino, no matter how talented you... No matter how talented you are, there's no guarantee you get back. But it would not surprise me at all if he wins three of the next five. If in the next decade he can win four, five even. Like, this is insane. It shows how great and talented Mahomes that we're even talking about this. That it's even in the conversation. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Now we're going to go to some of the awards. Lamar Jackson's going to win MVP. Yeah. I do think Russell Wilson, I think, has a case. Just because I think, in ten, if we're talking about valuable to their team, I think what Russell Wilson did for the Seahawks was tremendous and should not be overlooked. But I have to, I do have to give props to Lamar. I did not see this coming. No, I know you certainly didn't. I didn't either. I didn't either. I don't think anyone... I don't think, even if they love Lamar coming out of college, I don't think they saw this kind of jump happening from year one to year two. Yeah, I mean, the NFL could not stop him. And and it seemed only that, really, that Titans, there were maybe two or three games this year where Lamar looked human. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I don't think any... Mahomes isn't human, by the way. (laughs) Yes. I mean... Bill Belichick cannot, I cannot, couldn't stop him. He didn't, he had a week. To, he had preparation time. He, he, I don't know. He didn't do it. And I think at that point, I knew, wow, this could be our MVP this year. Yeah, uh, for offensive player of the year, I think it's Michael Thomas. He set the record for receptions. I believe he had what seventeen fifty, seventeen hundred yards. It's something absurd. like it. He it was ridiculous. He went off. He went off, and I mean, he there is. There's even some whispers. Could he even be top five, top ten, the MVP? Which for a receiver is pretty, pretty good. Not <laughs> so, too shabby. Yeah, not too, sh- not too shabby. So, uh, Michael Thomas for me should be um, offensive player of the year. For defensive player of the year, that's gonna be a really good. I think this is one of the more questionable awards. Is it T.J. Watt? Is it Stephon Gilmore? Is it? I've seen Tyron Matthews' name come up. I know you like Watt, and I actually do too. I also, he hasn't been talked about a lot, but I actually love Minka Fitzpatrick, another guy for the Steelers. Um, what do you think of for this award? Because there are a lot of good candidates, and I think it's one of the more unknown awards. For me, personally, if I was deciding, I would say I would give the TJ Watt. And the reason is, is because the, I mean, first look at the stats, all right? 
He was one of the league leaders in forced Shaquille, turnovers. Shaquille Barrett, too. He should be up there. He had about 19 and a half sacks. So he is, should be Kenny as well. Right. So I think TJ Watt finished with, what, 14 and a half sacks. I think uh, total, I think he had around, around eight in total forced fumbles with fumble recoveries. So that's eight, around eight forced turnovers, eight turnovers there. That's just really huge. Because you look at a guy like Stefan Gilmore, who obviously plays corner, he had six interceptions, and I think around maybe he had seven takeaways. But, yeah. I mean, you add that to TJ Watt's 14.5 sacks, and his, I think, what, eight pass to flat defense? Something like that. No, he had a great. crazy. I'm an edge rusher. And, and then the, but the real reason, I think, that it's TJ Watt is, is that Stefan Gilmore was great. But he benefits a lot, a lot, a lot from the guys around him. He benefits from Bill Belichick's scheme and who got the most out of him. He plays best when he's playing with a guy where he can be super, super aggressive. And there's, and there's a great guy right Steelers behind him. Steelers have a pretty good secondary, though, with Minka, who I love for who I love. And he was tremendous this year. And they have Joe Hayden and, right. and Terrell he, Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds. He, I think he... I think Minka really transformed that defense and it was the piece that needed to push it into the elite tier. But I think TJ Watt, they would not be close to that tier without one of the best pass rushers. They wouldn't even have been in the range of that tier if one of the, without one of the best pass rushers in the game there. Now, let me finish about Gilmore. Without McCordy behind him... Which one? He, well, I'm talking about Devin because um he's playing safety. Yeah, he's the safety. He's really cleaning up. So anytime he gets too aggressive, Gilmore, and I think this is why we didn't see this type of Gilmore in Buffalo, is because he didn't have that guy to really clean up his scraps. And I think Belichick does a really good job of hiding Gilmore's kind of over aggressiveness at times. He saw we saw sometimes he did get burnt there when McCordy wasn't able to sort of help uh. him. Okay, so now um, defensive rookie of the year. I think it should be Nick Bosa. I think it should be There's unanimous. There's no argument. It should be unanimous. No, Nick Bosa. End of story. Yep. Coach of the year. I I love Tomlin. They I think if they got one more win and went to the playoffs, I th- I would have had Tomlin, but I just can't give him the award because they didn't make the playoffs. That's why I think I'm leaning towards Kyle Shanahan. What he's done with that, with all those rookies, with this scheming. Garoppolo's had a very good year, even all but a little bit of an underrated year for Garoppolo because he's not exactly what you think of with that team. But he had a very good year too. I am gonna have to agree with you. On this. So Niners, Niners gonna maybe come home with two awards in the Vince Lombardi, possibly. Possibly. And then um, we really talked yeah. about that entire rookie class for San Francisco. As now we go to the final award, we're going to discuss offensive rookie of the year. You have AJ Brown, you have Deba Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Josh Jacobs, Kyler Murray. Who are you going with? I gotta say, this one is really tough. I think I'm still a believer in AJ Brown. I gotta go with AJ because I think what he did with that when Tannehill stepped in, AJ Brown was. The go-to guy from a receiver standpoint. Now, Grant, he did slow down a little bit in the postseason. This is a regular season award, though. This is a regular season that's award. That's true. Because uh, I, I think if we're taking a postseason, Lamar Jackson didn't have a good postseason. That's true. That's certainly but, uh, true. So, I, I, look, I would have no problem. I think 
Josh Jacobs and McLaurin may have had a better year, like all around, all from week one to week seventeen. But what AJ Brown did for about the second half was crazy. I think he he was just tremendous. I'd have to give it to AJ Brown too. The only problem, but hey, if you want to give it to Jacobs, McLaurin, uh, Kyler Murray, I'd be fine with that. The only problem with AJ Brown in my mind is that people will be like, okay, well maybe it's just Tannehill, maybe making him. No better. one will say that. You don't think anyone? Well, that? I mean, look, I think Tannehill had a good year, but I think well, I'm, you could say, well, should Michael Thomas win Offensive Player of the Year? Drew Brees is very good. They have Alvin Kamara, John McPain. Ted, Teddy Bridgewater was throwing. Ter- Ted- Teddy Bridgewater was throwing him for five games this season. Thomas Ter- still averaged a hundred yards per over over hundred. Teddy Bridgewater is still pretty good though. That's true. Teddy Bridgewater, I think. But I is- think you would still say that Tannehill's been better. And that's a debate for another time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go into our game picks to close out the podcast. Shy, you go first. So I think the line right now is actually favoring Chiefs by, by one and a half. And I half. mean, when it's that close, especially in the Super Bowl, for me, that's a, you know, I think it's a very, anybody's it's, game. Anybody's game. But I'm going to go with Chiefs against City. I think it's Patrick Mahomes. He's unstoppable. I don't think they can maybe try and slow him down, but I don't think they'll be able to stop him consistently enough for this KC offense to not get going. I think it's going to be really close, but I like KC here in a, in a shootout. Niners are the better team. They're the more complete team, the more all-around team. Debo Samuel is going to ball out. He's going to have a huge game. And the Niners are going to be... I think the Niners are going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively. With all that said, I'm going with the Chiefs just because of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how do you stop this man? How? I'm Look, as a fan, as kind of a neutral fan, um, my team's obviously not in it. I'm just hoping for a close game. I just want a good game that's down to the wire, nail biting type action. But uh, I, I think I think the Chiefs are gonna get their first Super Bowl titles in Super Bowl four. Fifty years in the making. I think the Chiefs will hold them uh, will hold the championship trophy for the second time in their history. And who knows how many more? <laughs> and who knows how many more times they will with Mahomes at quarterback. So that's all the time we have on today's podcast. Hope you had a lot of fun. I guess our next edition will probably be focused on free agency. And then we'll probably maybe even do another one on the draft, which is obviously one of my favorite times of year. I love. (laughs) He's a Giants fan. That's why I make fun of him for this. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Super Bowls, my team has won a Super Bowl more recently. But that's okay. We don't have time to get into that. But uh, even look, even though my team has stunk over the last few years, I do still love just the hype up coming to the draft. Even when the Giants had the twenty third pick and they made the playoffs, I still was excited. I still was excited for the draft. The draft is always a very fun time of year for me. I love free agency as well, so those should be two pretty exciting podcasts as we get closer to those off season events. For your host, I'm Alex Rubinson. I'm Shai Dweck. We'll see you next time on Game Time Podcast.